Sometimes it's not about you, Scott. In fact, in fact, the vast majority of the time, most things are not about me. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Dr. Scott Melson. Hello. What's up, man? How are you, sir? You know what? Uh... We adjourn today, and by we, I mean the legislature. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a very good space. You feel it? It feels like Friday on a Thursday. It really is. And the thing is, like, it feels like this for us. I like can't even imagine how it feels for like, yeah, the members and the staff and the people that work at the Capitol. Right. Like, well, and as we will hear uh, later in this episode from Representative Josh West, um, he he talks about uh, in our interview with him and, and Representative Marcus McIntyre about what it's like to be away from your family for four months um, for most nights of the week. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like, he was talking about that, and he, and he he works four months out of the year farther away from his family than, like, I live from my in-laws, right? Like, it takes, okay. it takes like, less time for Ashley oh. and I to drive to Dallas right, and see it, her family than it does for him to drive home from his job right. on the weekend. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. Like, it's a hell of a commute. No, it's, I mean, that's just that's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, as a, so as a preview, yes, uh, here in a few minutes after the news roundup, then we'll have an interview with Josh West and Marcus McIntyre. Uh, we sat down with them and uh, had, had a really good talk, and so I'm excited to to play that here. It was. It was great. It was a ton of fun. Um, they were very, uh, very generous um, with their time. I mean, they sat down with us for, I mean, right at like hour, hour and five. Uh, so yeah. we've got a we're we're recording a little topper here for you, and we will Tippy do top. our best to keep this at about ten fifteen minutes um, for real this time, guys. All right. Well, um, so we can uh, get you to the good stuff. We say that every week. Let's <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> All right, so the big news this week. Um, first story up is, of course, today uh, is Sine Die, kind of, oh, right? So I'm just going to do a drum roll. Oh. Scott, what's today? Sign. It's Sine Die. That was a that was a two hander. I really had to use both my hands to get all those buttons pushed. That would have been so great if I had mucked it up. All right, that's all um, right. The, you know, so uh, the legislature adjourned today, <laughs> adjourned without a date certain, uh, which is what Sunny Die means. Now, so they didn't technically; they're actually not technically adjourned. They are, I believe, standing at ease or like in recess right. for five days, as they have to. Right? They can't like they've got to they can't punch a budget within five days of the end of session. They also right. have to give the governor time to review some bills. Um, yeah, because be- and also they have to give themselves time for him to veto it. And if if he vetoed it and they wanted to come back and try to override the veto, they could still do that before the thirty first. Right. So unless something, unless some funny business happens, we are probably done seeing legislative activity for this year. However, the official date of signing die will be next Friday, uh, the thirty first. So we were both wrong. You said the uh, yeah. you said like the fifteenth. I said the twenty fourth. I ah, which was tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a week you, later. Well, than that. I would say you were the closest without going over, which is good enough for Bob Barker. Mm, that's right. Price is right rules is what we live by here. So that's the uh, <laughs> that's the it's the big news. Um, Come on we down. Do, <laughs> we do have some articles for you this week. Uh, so um, the first one today, there was to say there was a flurry of activity uh, in the legislature in the last forty eight hours would be understating it. Um, yesterday, <laughs> the House rejected SB two fifty two, which was one of the 
big uh, criminal justice reform bills that has to do with reforming the process of bail bonds. Um, the House uh, declined. They did not pass that bill. It was a vote. It was very close, 49 to 45. Yeah, um, and, and there were enough members absent that it could have switched the vote. Yes, it was. It was, real, it was a, a really kind of a bizarre situation and surprised a lot of people to see that that did not pass. Uh, and, but it's, then... Yeah, especially given how much we've talked about it and even the governors talked about it. Right. It was a real priority for, for Governor Stitt. And then the next thing that was crazy is then then the senate and i don't know if this is like in retaliation i don't think so i've 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 had some like uh there's rumblings but i don't know anything of like what's happened uh, officially but then the senate did not even take up house bill 1269 which was the big like mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like the omnibus well, criminal justice reform bill because it's the one that makes this makes state question 780 retroactive yeah so this has implications for people getting out of jail people that have uh, people the ability been out for to, years people yeah. that that have previous exp- uh, uh, felonies can be uh, getting them expunged this was a big deal i do i can't say i know for a fact that there was a ton of of like behind the scenes work going on on this bill, like yeah, and between it was a foregone conclusion, it yeah. was going to pass. Well, right, that's the that's the thing is that like everybody knew this was going to pass. The governor was going to sign it. There have been like kind of behind the scenes negotiations about exactly what this needed to look like for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Everybody thought this was a done deal, and then yesterday the Senate's like, "Nah, we're not going to hear it." Do you do you think Scott that this was an oversight? Like they just. That it was, you know, sometimes you have something that's important. You're like, oh, I'm going to get to that in a minute, and then you forget, and you're like, oh shit, I forgot about that. Or do you think they held it back in case they needed it as a lever to get something else to happen? Um, it could have been that. I also think that there were a lot of people behind the scenes lobbying against this bill, like the bail um, bondsmen. Uh, maybe them. Also, maybe the DAs. I think there's a uh, lot of people there. DAs. 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 Council. I think was not a big fan of this. So that's what happened with. Not with this, but with the other one, right? Where the sheriffs jumped in, yeah. like yesterday. Yeah, and so they've had four humping months to get up right. there. Well, so it was a bit like it was. Twitter was like blowing up that this didn't happen yesterday, right? Um, and this is this is important too because like uh, Representative Eccles, leader Eccles, was one of the main authors on this bill. Yeah. Like he so Representative Eccles and Representative Dunnington carried this bill in the state house. Representative Bice carried it in the Senate. Um, so there was a lot of lot of so lot was, of, that's some uh, influential folks up there. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a lot of a lot of a lot of things happening on the social media about this kind of disappointment how this went down. So then today the Senate meets. It's not on their agenda. Okay, they complete their agenda. All the bills that are on the board have either passed or not passed or whatever they're going to do. Looks like they're about to adjourn and then they recess. Right. Hmm. Governor shows up. Governor's at the Capitol. People are talking. People are milling around. Senate gavels back in. They bring up House House Bill 1269. Uh, No questions. No debate. Vote. Pass. What was the vote? Uh, 11, no, 36, I, I think, or 38, I, something like that. Who voted no? I haven't looked at the vote. I haven't looked like, at the vote Like, was it yet. party lines plus five? Oh, I don't, I wouldn't think so, because I wouldn't see the Dems voting I against this. I wouldn't think this, so either, right? but, yeah. So 11 Republicans voted against it? Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, but anyway, so those, the two, two, two big criminal justice reform bills, one bail did not get done, uh, but state, state question 780 retroactivity did get done, and that is a big deal. And I hope that we can have... There was an amendment to it, though, right? Uh, I don't think today. I thought... There was some stuff done in conference committee. Um, right. So it wasn't the original version. Right. Uh, my hope is that we can get uh, a few of the folks that were involved on yeah. the show... We'll have a special. ...and talk just kind of all about what did and what didn't happen with criminal justice reform this session and like what that means moving forward. And we should do is get Damien from OK Policy... And like talk to him a little bit. Either have him on with someone. We only have four mics here, but I'll give up my mic and um, 
or have, so selfless. have him and then have some of the legislators. I think that'd be a good um, compare and contrast. That'd be excellent. Be excellent. Ooh, get like Damien and then like uh, Kiesel from ACLU yeah. or something. And yeah. then, yeah. Be, yeah, we're planning. Look at this. We're planning the show while we're talking to you. How about we, that? Scott and I have a list of topics that we're going to do sometime this summer. We, we got to schedule those. Got to work out the deets, as they say. But if you want to get all the details on criminal justice reform, check out the piece from Non-Doc today. Um, Another piece, this is an important, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, um, but it is, I think, I think it's important to mention. This is from Non-Doc as well. Say it's notable, maybe not a Maybe not important. There you go. Notable. There you go. Um, so we talked a few weeks ago about some allegations that have been made against Representatives Kennedy, Kennedy and McDougal, uh, sexual harassment, um, you know, inappropriate touching of a uh, female colleague. Uh, the House initiated an investigation with outside counsel. That investigation has not been complete, and the attorney was unable to substantiate any of the allegations. Right. And so just to recap... Again, as we said that day, because we almost didn't talk about it, so now we got to talk right, about it. Right. That um, Al Gerhardt, the guy who made the allegations, is a former legislator and has made allegations like this in the past and is a bit of a firebrand. Somewhat. So, like, definitively a firebrand, <laughs> I think. Um, and is a is a pretty uh, far-right conservative, I think. Uh, it's fair to say he writes the uh, like Oklahoma like the, sooner sooner he, sooner t- Tea Party new- yeah, newsletter right, right. and so Kennedy um, being the guy who ran attack ads against other far right Republicans and they all lost in the primary so I would say it's f- fair to assume that there is a beef between well and the and the there is definitely beef and the article actually goes into that they have a lot of documentation about kind of. The relationship between uh, Mr. Gerhardt and some of these representatives. There's some phone calls, some transcripts. It's a they it's talked. A, they talked to the alleged victims who all denied everything happened. Um, she's. They didn't name who it was, but she said, "No, she, the the alleged victim did not deny anything happened. She still is saying like something happened." But really, yeah. But all did the, I misread that? Yeah, all the all of the witnesses are the accused, and the witnesses deny that anything happened. The alleged victim says that something did happen, but there is no. There was purported to be some evidence, and apparently there is not. Interesting. Okay. Well, I totally misread that. I'm glad you corrected me. I'm going to go back and read that article again. Listeners, yeah, it says we, all parties were cooperative with the investigation. Ultimately, the details provided by the complainant diverged significantly from the details provided by the accused and the witnesses. So the complainant is Gerhardt. Yes, but those details diverge significantly from the details provided by the accused McDougal and Kennedy not the accuser and the witnesses the accused and the witnesses maintain that no video was ever shown to the complaining party and that they were not aware of anyone touching anyone etc et so et in that case the complaining party makes me think it would be it's the representative who was involved the woman yes. not okay yeah so because there was allegations that yeah. one of them showed her a porn video while at right. a restaurant or something right. which sounds preposterous yeah so it's very like it's just you're going and read the article i think i think i think you read it the the way that i read it the first time i was like wait so the accuser says that this didn't happen right um and it was the accused not the accuser no i well i i read it as the complainant being gerhardt uh not the uh, complainant being um the female representative anyway so that's up for your that's up for your purview on non-doc I guess that, and the reason it was in national news is because there were like New York Times reporters in town that day, and Gerhardt 
was like call the representatives like hey the new york times guys here we got to talk about this today yes. yep which yep. also seems suspicious but just a, a smidge a tad anyway a here's, here, can i just say just be cool people like first of all don't uh don't touch people unless they ask for it right like just be normal have conversations have you can have friendships you can have professional relationships you ain't gonna touch them right um you can live above reproach also don't accuse people of things that they don't do i'm not again i'm i've not privy to all the details of this case i'm just saying in general can't we all just get along agreed can't we all just get along all right um so up next is an update on the opioid settlement scott a fun fact that you told me before we started recording out of all the state agencies who received funding this year that was appropriated by the legislature which state agency saw a decrease? Can you do your terminal again? The Attorney General's Office. That's right. I'll give you the applause for that as well. Indeed. So only one state agency that's appropriated saw a decrease. It was the AG's office. Why, Andy, why would that have happened? Because the legislature is petty. Scott, that's why. Because because the only... I think they would disagree with you. No, well, I think they would say it was a measured response. I would say that they, in my opinion, they decreased their budget um, perhaps as a punitive measure because they didn't like something the AG did that at the time was perfectly legal. However, they've now passed a law to make it illegal. Uh, yes, that is... Or make it just not possible, right? Yes, that so, is... A- so the... The Attorney General, Mike Hunter, who we had on the show several weeks ago, um, had this settlement with opioid manufacturer Purdue Pharmaceuticals. And part of that settlement he arranged was, ooh, excuse me, to set up a, a fund, right? Or for the money to yeah. go to OSU for treatment and all research. That. research yeah. and we talked about that a lot. I'm sure everyone listens to this knows about it. So in response, the legislature today, right, passed a law that says that henceforth any ag hunter or otherwise in the future if they sue somebody and they get a settlement of any kind all that money goes into the general revenue fund which is what the legislature to appropriates be, to be appropriated by the legislature right they're yeah. just like no you can't decide where the money goes we decide where the money goes yeah um i they were a bit peeved they were it is funny to me I, i'll off just perfectly candid like it is funny to me how peeved the legislature gets, all of them. I will say both sides of the aisle. Oh, yeah. They get peeved when anybody infringes on their turf. They're just, wait, that, that's, that is our job. And and I would argue, I mean, yet again, that the, so the AG is elected independently. Which, is he part of the judiciary? He's not part of the judiciary, is he? He is the chief law enforcement officer for the state of Oklahoma. Right, so of the three branches, which one would you put him under? Oh, he's part of the executive branch. Okay, that's what I would think. But he's not appointed and so he no, he's like a state superintendent, right? Right. So it, I guess it's part of the executive because he carries out the law in some degree. But he, um, I, th- I just think that like the legislature definitely wants to be the most powerful branch. Well, I think in this case, what I've heard a lot of them say is, look, when you get right down to it, their actual only constitutional responsibility is to appropriate funds. Like that's like, what about passing laws? I mean, they do that. But like, but that's what no one else can pass laws. 
Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> <laughs> true. But but they like their main like power of mm-hmm. kind of enforcing what they want to do is the power of the purse, right? The judiciary has their power. The executive has their power. The power of the purse is what's vested in the legislature. And and they see this situation in particular as like having usurped that. Right. Um, and that's so, a good, good use of that word. So, I mean, I think like if, uh, I mean, it's kind of like uh, now, I mean, that's not a great example. I was like, if, you know, if, I don't know, if like the courts, I mean, think, you know, think about how like, pissy they get like if the court says something they do is like unconstitutional right because they pass unconstitutional laws well i'm just a layman and i can tell them that like some of this stuff i think they know that too i always figured you for a dumb shit (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i love your voice (laughs) i think that um no the other deal i I think part of it is that our the entire state budget of oklahoma is like 20 22 million something like that or billion billion with a so, but twenty something billion. They, yeah, they appropriate about forty percent of it. Yeah, so they, so they only out of twenty two billion dollars, they only get to spend like eight billion, right? And because there's all these things that come off the top, because there have been previous measures that just said like you don't get to appropriate this. It, this money is dedicated to this source. What would you spend eight billion dollars on? Me? Yeah. Mostly like backpacks and nice booze, I think. <laughs> That's fair enough. Fair enough. I have a, I have a fascination with bags. That's you, you, were tweet, you were texting about that earlier. I got one in the mail today. I'll show you after. The, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm excited. All right. So check this out. This is on News Okay. The legislature, <laughs> the legislature is uh, uh, cracking the whip on the attorney general and where money that they receive in settlements has to go. Yeah, so that's interesting. I think we'll see this as an ongoing thing, particularly because the opioid uh, lawsuits will be coming to the uh, next month, uh, right? Next, no, next week. Next week, okay. Yeah, so um, we and go so, to court on the twenty eighth, man. And Tuesday. so, if I mean, I think if those uh, if those trials result in bankruptcy and people don't get anything, Hunter will be vindicated, right? However, if because he didn't join on to some of the other states' lawsuits, and so if other states settle for like billions of dollars, and we didn't get that, then the legislature are going to be like, "Man, we told you." Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not cool. I uh, I suspect if that happens, he'll have a hard time with reelection. Uh, it's possible he'll get challenged by a, a, a someone else from his party. I'm certain. So, um, all right. And then our last article for today is Governor Stitt tells Tulsa Republicans that he quote has to get in front of Medicaid initiative. Yes. So this is this happened last Friday. Uh, this is Governor Stitt um, uh, spoke to the Tulsa Republican Club um, and just comes out and says Medicaid expansion is probably going to be on the ballot. We have the left kind of pushing that. I've got to come out in front of that and give people an option A. I'm afraid Medicaid expansion would pass if it went out to a vote of the people today. He is correct. Mm -hmm. Um, Without some kind of alternative plan, I would actually submit to him that depending on the alternative plan, it might pass anyway. He says he's got a healthcare expert who is unnamed working on a conservative plan, uh, not clear what that is, that protects the taxpayer to make sure we can say here's the right way to deliver services. I'm not, I don't know that we need to say too much more about this, mostly because we talked uh, with representatives McIntyre and West. Yeah at length about this. So you'll hear that here um, in a minute. Um, and we'll also our, do a, we're going to do a, a episode about, episode, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think to me, the reason this is important is because this is, this is really like, uh, things are converging, right? Like it is clear that 
the legislature and the governor's office know <laughs> that like if you held a vote on Medicaid expansion in Oklahoma today, it would pass. And they um, have... <laughs> and, and it's there's a ballot initiative that's been filed. Yeah, and that's like... And it's been... It's, there's some people suing to try and stop it, but we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, they, they know it's going to happen. They... Uh, they are, I think many in the legislature are a little bit um, peevish about medical marijuana. <laughs> this is the second they, time this episode we've used the word peeved or peevish. Peevish. Um, because they they didn't do anything on medical marijuana, then it went to the people and it passed, and the legislature kind of sees themselves as having to come back in and like clean that up yep. a lot. And I can, I can just tell you from conversations we've had with a, a lot of people that if Medicaid expansion passes... I think it is extremely likely that the legislature is going to come back and hear or they're, they're going to come back and, and do some things to kind of try and modify how it looks in Oklahoma. They're hoping they can pass something in advance of the ballot initiative to take the bullets out of the gun. Right. Well, because they want to try and defeat the ballot initiative. But they also know that if the ballot initiative passes, they are going to come back and try and do some things to change how it works. And they don't want the headlines that we've seen out of uh, Utah and like... Uh, uh, I think Nevada and like maybe Maine. There's been several states all over the country where oh, Medicaid right. expansion has passed. And then uh, and I'm just stating facts here. Republican controlled legislator legislatures have come back and significantly modified it. And there's like right. national headlines about the legislature, the party like ignoring quote, the will of the people. I think that some of those legislatures would argue it's not that we're ignoring the will of the people. It's that like the way this passed is for reasons we think is just like not workable. That's what I think our legislators here in Oklahoma would yeah, say. Yeah. But they don't want to they don't want to deal with that storyline accurate or not. Now, I maintain that if the version of like healthcare expansion that they come up with is something that's like not actually healthcare expansion, right? Then, then the the bill like the the ballot initiative is going to pass anyway. Um, but talking with talking with Representative West, talking with Representative McIntyre, you know, I think it it sounds to me like they're pursuing some strategies that that might be that might be reasonable that might work well. We don't know what they're going to come up with yet. Um, but here's what's going to happen, Scott: is that we are going to have two different groups that have significant pride and perhaps ego resilience, the legislature, and then the groups that are pursuing this ballot initiative and we are it's going to come down to like well, we passed this why don't you back down right um so right now there's a ballot initiative that they could let roll out but their pride won't let them do that right and and maybe their their prudence perhaps pride and prudence that's the name of my book <laughs> um pride and prudence but they they don't often go together when, wouldn't be prudent um but they <laughs> Not gonna do it. Um, so um, <laughs> that's a that's a that is a deep like what like nineteen like ninety six SNL reference. No, it's from uh, Bush one, so that's like eighty eight. That's yeah, that is not You're gonna right. do it. Wouldn't be prudent. So uh, Dana Carvey. Wow, that's love what it. happened to Dana after. Uh, okay, we're getting side we're getting sidetracked. We are. Pride and prudence. Yeah. So anyway, that's their thing. But let's say the legislature passes. Um, passes some kind of expansion um, or or mini expansion and so it's then them versus the folks that have already filed and done the work for the ballot initiative if the if they've already gotten on the signatures and all that kind of stuff by then and it's on the ballot oh they're still going to run it right well then they, they just got to 
then it's either they they put in money for ads or they don't. But like either way, it's on the ballot. And right. Well, and the, I mean, a lot of the money from ballot initiatives, like a lot of the cost, is getting the signatures. Right. So, uh, like, if they've already, yeah, made not if, as much as you think. I mean, if they put in half a million or a million bucks to get the signatures, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. But then, I, I mean, mean that, you're, you're talking two or three million more in ads, maybe right. more. But if you've spent a million, are you gonna? This is two guys who don't have a million bucks. That's We're right. like, if you spend one million, why not spend four million? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'll tell true. you why. It's not Three million dollars. That's why it's, not. It's not. It's not my money. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. That's that's definitely one conflict that's going to get set up here. But I, I think another one, though, and this gets you know a little bit to a conversation that we had with the representatives about the makeup of the legislature and specifically the Republican caucus. I, I am... I'm interested to see what kind of Medicaid expansion you can come up with that's going to get right because you can get you need 51 votes in the house right yeah and so they got which, 70 they got 76 so I mean yeah so the they Repub- can af- they can afford to lose 25 the Republicans can pass it on their own in right. both chambers right As, I mean and they can lose 25 of their own to do it but like what 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 healthcare expansion do you come up with that gets fifty one Republicans? Insure Oklahoma. You just expand the program we already have. Do you think? I mean, you think that does it? Yeah. Okay. Because maybe. because the alternative is do nothing and 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 then have a ballot initiative that goes through. Maybe it does, but you know what that means, right? Like if you do that, that puts you know uh, fifty one Republicans uh, that are running for reelection on taking Obamacare money. Uh, well, yeah, but. It's look, but look, it polls so highly that right, they could right. say we expanded healthcare right. for more Oklahomans. Like they, it pulls really it's highly all about you, positioning. It pulls really highly when you poll the state, right? right? But it pulls really highly because there's like three places in the state that are really in favor of it, right? Tulsa is really in favor of it. Oklahoma City is really in favor of it. When you get into some of the rural districts, it looks a little bit different, and, and it depends. That's fair. It depends district to district. And I'm just saying, you might have a hard time. Right, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. In there's fifty one. There's fifty one Republicans that are going to have to go for this, and they're going to go home. And some of them are going to get primaried, and the primary ads are going to say, "Representative so and so voted to expand Obamacare and take Obamacare money and raise your taxes." So that's not true, no. but that's what the ads going to say. Right. So right? If, if they were smart, what they would do is is pass it with an emergency clause, so that it goes into place before the election. Right. So if they pass it. Well, for sure in a special session, but even if they pass it in a regular session next year and they did an emergency clause that so would go into effect in June, right? Right. Then, then in those rural areas where most people would be eligible for it, you would you would have given your right. constituents insurance. No, that makes a lot of sense. They, that's, that's they some, asked me, so I told them to do. That's some brilliant strategy that you've got there, right. and I and I don't disagree with it. It's strategy. The reason that I'm bringing it up is because the the question that's bubbling up to me, and the answer the answer to this, I mean, I will I will state right now, the answer to this may be yes, they can do it, no problem at all. But what I'm wondering is, can they craft a plan that can pass that does not require democratic support mm. can they pass can I, they pass can they pass a healthcare expansion that doesn't need the dems well, because I, if it needs the dems it, they won't give it to them the, well unless they make it something that the dems are happy with right yeah but but i think the dems are in the reverse position where the democrats um if they don't vote for it so like their constituents are the opposite, right? Like they would be then on the record as voting against expanding healthcare. Right. Except that their constituents want complete unrestricted ACA style 
Medicaid. But what if it doesn't? What if the ballot initiative doesn't pass, right? Like you had the chance. Yeah, but of, it will. Yeah, but what if it doesn't? Like this is it's all hypotheticals. It is. It's just they were like me, you could have given us health care. Right. Because you could if that's the case, you they constituents could say, if they paid close attention, you could have voted for this and given us health care and then the initiative would have passed anyway and we would have got more health care. No, I ish. I mean that's no, not I totally really I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just bringing it up because I think I mean, it's like everything else. Like this is going to come down to what the politics are, mm-hmm. and I I could be totally wrong, but I just wonder if the politics are maybe a little more complicated than oh well, we're just going to pass something next year mm-hmm. and take the teeth out of the ballot initiative, so it's like not a thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's it may, and it may be it may be that straightforward that they pass in Oklahoma and that's all she wrote. Like that's I think that's I think that's what they're aiming for. Yeah, and that may be I that, think that's the best option that they have available to them yeah i think that's i think that's probably true i guess my question is will that be like will that be enough oh right you know Um, only time will tell before we leave one thing i was going to uh plug (coughs) we try not to plug other podcasts on the show but no it's not true we uh, talk about it all the time um so there is we have talked about we had uh uh, it's been close to a year ago we had solicitor general myth and monsicani on to talk about this really interesting case carpenter v murphy at the Supreme Court that is dealing with uh, a double murder, a double homicide that happened on oh, an Indian country, uh, on an Indian nation here in Oklahoma, um, and that has been argued before the Supreme Court. And depending on what the court decides, has the um, has the, uh, the possibility of, I mean, drastically like rewriting how like. <clears throat> the definition of like what Indian territory is and what it means and nation. Like it's, it is a huge, huge, huge case. Um, if you find that interesting and you would like to know more about it, um, crooked media, which full disclosure, crooked media, unlike us, they are not a nonpartisan, uh, non-profit. no, not remotely. <laughs> they are a very partisan, a very partisan for-profit media company. Um, <laughs> it is uh, a media company that was started by several former Obama staffers and they, mm-hmm. uh, have a variety of projects, but they have a new project that's coming out, I think next week or maybe at the first week of June called in this land. Um, so this is a podcast that features a, uh, it's hosted by a native Oklahoman, uh, Cherokee woman. She's a writer and author. And really? it and it delves. It's it's a very deep dive into this case, Carpenter v. Murphy, the background of the case, what happened, um, what uh, what the kind of the details of the of the legal arguments are, and what the implications will be depending on what the court decides. So, when, so do do we know when we're supposed to hear a uh, uh, hearing on this? By the end of term, one thinks, which is, I mean, it was argued in February. Right. So when does that term end? Uh, like August, maybe. I'm, trying, I'm scrolling on Scotus blog here. But yeah, but I, uh, I, like I said it hasn't. Um, it has not. Um, the the podcast has not come out yet. Um, but it will debut on June third, and it's like I said, it's hosted by uh, Rebecca Nagel, who is a journalist from here in Oklahoma. She's based out of Oklahoma, and she's also a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. So, if you want to, uh, you know, support a uh, support one of our own uh, and learn more about something that has the potential to 
drastically change oh, yeah. how some things work here in Oklahoma, you should check out in the check out this land by Crooked Media. Interesting. It's free. You don't have to actually. Yeah, you don't have to pay for it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't have to pay. It's just there's just ads. All right. Well, uh, with that, let's uh, let's go listen to our interview with Representative Josh West and Marcus McIntyre. All right, and we're back, uh, back from our break. We are joined now by Representative Josh West. Hello, sir. How are you? Thanks I'm for well. having me. From District 5, House District 5. That's up in northeast Oklahoma. It is, right? about as far northeast as you can get. All right. Uh, and also Representative Marcus McIntyre from District 50. Which is south, south southwestern Oklahoma. That's right. You guys have really split the state there. There you go, Duncan and Grove. Yep. Right. Um, I saw both those uh, both those towns on the news yesterday as we watched oh, yeah. watched the storms roll through and not rain yeah. in my house. Representative, we were Representative West. We were talking this morning. It sounds like your family had to take cover there for a minute last night, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it, was, it was late night. We kind of sit around a group of us last night watching the news and, and throughout the day. You know, was um, expecting it here, but as they the storms progressed northeast, um, middle of the night, eleven o'clock at night, I'm trying to c- find out my wife's not answering my call, and oh. so I don't even know my home phone, so I'm trying to look at my home phone, and, <laughs> and I'm watching the uh, the news out of Tulsa as these storms were tracking northeast. Yeah, it came up through Southern Delaware County, was kind of headed uh, our way, and I got a hold of her and I said, "Hey, you guys need to get in the cellar." So right. yeah, but it kind of went to the bottom half of my district, so uh, Leach. A small community there mm-hmm. in southern Delaware County was hit pretty good and um, small tornado, but it um, it was mostly trees and things like that. And there was some damage to buildings and stuff, but yeah, it was sure. Representative McIntyre, all your your folks are all okay. We were relatively unscathed, <laughs> so um, we, I was watching it. I don't know if you saw Twitter feed. Um, Trace Savage yeah. put a picture of us all watching yeah. the weather radar when we were in JCAB. Yeah. And uh, that's what we were looking at. We were just our family's going to be okay. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny. I was outside. Um, Sean Wallace and Amanda Ewing, if you guys know them, they yeah. work at the Capitol. They live across the street from me. And so Sean and I were out standing in the middle of the street last night talking about it. And he was like, I said, did you get off work early? And he's like, yeah, I mean, they're still in session. So he like came home to put the trash out and was going to go back up there. And um, it was a weird, weird day. I mean, I think especially – having um, folks from across the state here today to talk about it. Very different experience yeah. for people in Grove than um, than us in the city or certainly down in Duncan. I, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. I've been here 35 years. I don't like freak out about weather, but they had me nervous yesterday. You were, were nervous yesterday. Yeah. I was, I, there were sphincters tightening yesterday that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, normally are... Yeah. We call that down south being puckered. <laughs> nice, we nice. actually, me, Fegger and I uh, have a an acquaintance that's a storm chaser, Mm. I think for channel four. And Mm -hmm. so the night before, you know, when the the news put out, you know, this is going to be a big outbreak. And so we called him up and we said, Hey, do you think we can, we can get out with you? And he's like, "Uh, no, it's not a, he's like, like, I've been doing this for, you know, however many years and I'm not looking forward to tomorrow. So we thought it was going to be a lot worse than it was. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't, especially here, but the, throughout the state, man, there yeah. were tons of tornadoes. Yeah, and it could have been a lot worse, right? I mean, they, I think the guys, the National Weather Service, they, they do a tremendous job. It's not an easy job, and they were all staring down the pipe at a, at a very difficult forecast that said, like, we don't know exactly when or where, but it's going to be a lot and everywhere. Yeah. And so just be aware, right, for, like, the next 24 hours. And, and it, I mean, I went to bed when it was raining and woke up and it was still raining. Well, and it's just too, I mean, it's something we talked about before because, you know, we're both data nerds, right? But like people, 
like sometimes it's it's hard to have kind of a, a good grasp of like probabilities and what they mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes people think that like oh if something's a seventy percent chance like it means like it's a, it's a sure thing, yeah. right? Or if it's a forty percent chance like they said yesterday, I think it was forty five percent chance of a major tornado within like twenty five miles of the, of the uh, metro area. That that's not like a very big that's not like not a very big probability. And I would just remind you that in uh, October of 2016, <laughs> there was a 30% chance Donald Trump was going to be president of the right. United States. So stuff that has only a 30, 40% chance of happening happens all the time. You don't yeah. like you don't like Trump? That wasn't a comment no. on the president. That was <laughs> <No>. just saying. <laughs> so it's a lower, you know, lower probability events are what seems lower. They yeah. they still happen. People well, play the lottery all the time with a very very low chance of winning. But I think that the people in Mangum or uh, wherever oh, last right. night Kingfisher, yeah, uh, they would say, hey. I think they pretty much nailed it. Right. You know, he just went a little further north. Yeah. Uh, Piper's area. Yeah, he's right around Stillwater. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that storm, uh, he's that, from Orlando. Yeah, Orlando, yeah. That storm outside of Mangum, that was like... That was crazy. That was, that was, that was a bad storm. Yeah. All right, well, uh, since we're already talking about districts, uh, Representative West, tell us a little bit about District 5, uh, what it, the makeup is. and Yeah, you know. so District 5, like I said, far northeast, and you know my district actually joins um, Arkansas, joins Missouri, and I'm probably... Uh, ben Long and I, Ben's in between me and, and Kansas, so real close to, you know, three of the states. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it's rural. Uh, we, we do have Grand Lake. That's kind of the, the makeup. Uh, it's kind of like um, – it's hard to explain. So you've got Grand Lake. That's where my Republicans are. <laughs> and then the further south you go outside of Grand Lake, it becomes, you know, more more Democrat. And so my makeup as far as uh, politically is about 51% Republican, 48% Democrat and then, uh, you know, 1% whatever. And so, um, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, they're Eastern. Yeah. You know, I was, I went with, uh, first time I met Scott was, um, Friday, last Friday. I, yeah. I stayed here and, and my wife uh, met me here Saturday, but I went to, um, you know, Jason Dunnick is a good friend of ours yeah. and, and mine. And so he, we were sitting around after a session and he stopped by and said, Hey, what are you doing? He said, I, I have a weekly, um, you know, constituent roundup. Would you like to come? I'm like, well, yeah, sure. So, um, and I, I do like to get the other, you know, the other outlooks from around the state. And so I was, I was talking Friday about, you know, my makeup and it's funny, my, um, it's the typical Eastern side Democrats, you know, they're very blue dog and, and really conservative. And so I was trying to explain that, um, you know, during Dunnington's, um, get together with the constituents about the kind of the difference in Democrats here in the city and, and Democrats where I'm from. But I remember, the last campaign, I had to come down here and I had to pick up. So I was out of push cards, and so I met the guy who uh, did my push cards for me. And I was driving. Uh, it was it was one of your. It was a pretty fancy neighborhood here in the city, and uh, <laughs> I'm driving through there, and they all had Drew Edmondson signs. And this was right before the general. And I'm when I drive would drive through my areas, you right. know, it's they're all stit signs, mm-hmm. and so it's just it's kind of funny to see that urban uh, rule, yeah. you know. The, the difference but yeah it's just a rural district we do have Grand Lake and so tourism tourism is a huge part of my district sure. and then outside of tourism you know we have aerospace and that type of industry but it's you know a lot of agriculture and farming and a great place so it, well, uh, what are some of the major towns up there? Is Vanita in your so district? It's not. So I, that's Rusty Cornwell. So he replaced okay. uh, Koskin. So I joined Rusty. Um, Grove's my, my biggest right. town. It's not, he's not a city. You know, it's about, you know, it goes from about probably 8,500 people to, it depends, uh, in the summertime, you know, we, get, we gain about 50,000 people overnight with, oh, with Grand Lake. You know, yeah. Grand Lake. And so. Interesting. Is Pitcher in your district? It's not. That'd be, that's Ben's district. That's, okay. that's Ben Lawrence's district. Just throwing out city names. 
Well, the pictures are really pictures. Are an interesting story. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. You have J. I got, it's Grove J. You know, oh, it's it's sure. you talk you know based on population. So I look at. You know, I talked to some of these representatives from the urban areas in their district, maybe four square miles. Well, mine's 860 square miles. So Grove, Jay, Salina. Right. But the same number of people, uh, though. Same, yeah, same, same, same number, number of people, constituents. Just, just really spread out. Right. Um, but my three major schools are Grove, Jay, and Salina. And then you got towns like Cleor and, and Ketchum and Langley and Disney and Hoodow and Wycliffe and Kenwood and Uchi yeah. and Leach. And Do you find, like, in a district like that, that, have, that has so many small towns, do they each... I would assume they do. Do they each have kind of their own character, like their own kind of flavor? Like Oklahoma City, right? There's a ton of people here, yeah. but there's you can go from one neighborhood to the next, and it's a very like different vibe. I guess is it is it similar? Uh, I, I guess you could say that. You know, they're they're very, um, you know, especially when you talk about getting the schools. You know, I mean, very. Uh, that is the makeup of that town. So I always talk about there's always a, uh, there's always talk up here at some point about consolidation. And uh, I guess that's kind of that urban rural fight because I have all these small towns with their schools and and so yeah I mean each town's got their own little unique uh, qualities and but it's still rural rural Oklahoma and um, but uh, it's just I, I would love to have they need to start back they used to years ago they'd have an adopt a rep program and so an urban rep would come to a rural legislative area you yeah. know, for a few days and then vice versa and so. It's you know it's just different. It's it's um it's very personal being from a being from a rural district because people know me. I was born and raised there, and mm-hmm. I'm just Josh and just West. And so, um, you know, my wife after my kids are young, they're 12, 11, 6, and four. And so last year during um, Halloween, we're we're trick or treating. My wife goes, "You cannot come with us anymore," because everybody wants to. Right. You know, I'm, they may not know who the the governor is or the president, but they know Josh just because they were born and raised there. And so. It, it and that affects uh i always even my voting you know that's i got to go back home and, and people know me and so they don't have an issue calling me and that's a great thing about being a like i said a rural uh representative because they have my personal cell phone or they see me at church or at ball games or at, at uh, school functions or the grocery store and so that's it's just a it's a different a, a different type of uh uh, legis- you know, serving it's just different between rural and, and uh, yeah, we have, yeah we we don't have anonymity um, no, I wouldn't say that we're many celebrities or anything, but everybody, most everybody knows who we are in yeah. the rural, rural district, and uh, and they will not hesitate to call you up. Right. Um, a lot of the urban legislators will say, you know, basically we have to work really hard because we have so many constituents contacting us um, where, where they're pretty much anonymous. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go to, you know, Mike Osborne can be in Edmond and go to Walmart and people not know who he is. Right, sure. If I go to Walmart and I don't want to be seen, I'm putting on a ball cap and right. sunglasses. <laughs> or you go at midnight. I wonder if part of that too is... <laughs> or Sunday morning. I think, you know, the, the different, like the different kind of just the way the communities are set up lends itself to that. But I wonder if it's also because Mike Osborne might go to Walmart and that Walmart might not even be in his district, right? Like you might, like because the, because the population is so much more yeah. concentrated, you're probably crossing district a lot more than you guys might in a well I in a, in a, in a more world I, I think that may be a variable I think that the other thing is it's harder for them to message because I mean the daily Oklahoman is not gonna no. publish one of their articles if I publish it if I send right. an article to my news outlets all those papers mm-hmm. are going to usually publish that 
And so, and like you, with Facebook and things like that, it's just mm-hmm. everybody knows who you are and they're paying attention. Well, there's even um, you and your wife acquired a business or something recently. I saw like I saw the article from the Duncan Banner Press yes. here, and I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." Yeah. Um, and I and it occurred to me that that's like I don't know if it's front page news, but the Banner Press is a great paper, not a huge paper, and right. so. Um, the fact that they would report on that where we don't have that here for right, our, right, our yeah, it was on like the third page, but um, we have a business um, already there in Duncan, and we ended up buying uh, her family's insurance agency, which That's right. I'm running yeah. now, and my wife still runs distinctivedecor.com. Yeah. So, Duncan, well, your house district fifty, yes, and Duncan, kind of like Grove, is the largest town in your district, Josh. That for this would be Duncan would be yours. Absolutely. And how many people live in Duncan now? Uh, twenty four, twenty five thousand. Halliburton still is the major. Halliburton, of course, that's the birthplace of Halliburton, and uh, they're really? still the largest employer. Absolutely, um, it's changed a lot in Duncan. Uh, you know, used to have a lot of the white collar professionals in Duncan, and then when uh, they did it, when they merged with another company, they ended up moving a lot of people out of Duncan into Houston. So we still have a lot of the field camp stuff and all of the manufacturing there. Uh, there's still some engineers there, but for the most part, uh, like the, the financial side of it is in Houston. Um, but it's still the, the largest employer. And the second would be Duncan regional hospital. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I used to, I lived in a, a town in South Texas, central South Texas, Brenham, home of bluebell ice cream. And, um, also the baseball capital of Texas and the blue bond capital tech. We had lots of, Claims to fame. Apparently. Um, it's a cool place, but it's about the same size as Duncan. And I'd been to Duncan a number of times, and it's, it reminded me of that, that I worked at a, a state facility for people with developmental disabilities, and that was the largest employer. And the second was the regional hospital, and then like Walmart was the third. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much everyone knew everybody because someone's brother and sister worked at yeah. two of those three places. That's and correct. That's like a period you get into any legislation that has to do with um, hospitals or schools. You know, those are my two biggest em- employers in my hometown. And so, you know, when, uh, with the walkout last year, I was, I don't get a lot of visitors. I'm, I'm 220 miles away. And so to, you know, a lot of the teachers that were down at the Capitol were teachers that taught me as a kid. And so, or when I have a, you know, when there's any kind of legislation that has to do with healthcare, I've got my hospital president on the phone saying, Hey, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily how, I don't care how this is going to affect Oklahoma City or Tulsa. How's what's going to do for rural Oklahoma. And so it's, uh, you know, schools and, and hospitals and, and then like with, uh, I don't have a Halliburton, but we have an, we have an aerospace industry. And so, yeah. Um, well, and well to, Hey, did you know, this is an interesting fact about Josh West district. Um, aren't Oscars made? In, they are. So the, like the, like the trophy. Yes. The trophy. So there's a, there's, few, there's a, that's fascinating. A few major, um, awards that are made. And out in my industrial park, I won't say the name of the business, but yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty awesome place. Well, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I want to go dumpster diving for the ones that got <laughs> right. Yeah, someone's right. face was melted, and I'll take it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we've we've kind of touched on an issue from both you guys that would be a good place to kind of transition, yeah. and that's talking about the largest kind of employers in your district, right? You both mentioned some industry, but also both of you talked about uh, hospitals, yeah. hospitals mm-hmm. and, and schools. And I, w- I want to ask you a little bit about hospitals. You know, one thing that's been heard, you know, we talked a lot about, um, I've, I think you guys both know a primary care, I'm a primary care doctor by day. When I I'm did not, not know that. Thank oh. you for <laughs> when I'm when I'm When I'm not obsessively following Twitter for politics, I'm a primary care doctor. And, um, so I've talked a lot about um, the potential for you know healthcare expansion and Medicaid expansion here in Oklahoma, and there's been some bills. I know um, Representative McIntyre, you had a bill looking at healthcare expansion.
right? With, um, with Senator Greg McCourtney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had him on to talk about that. Friend, yeah. friend of the show. Um, great. Also great, great guy. Um, there's a ballot initiative that's been filed to look at healthcare expansion in Oklahoma that's, that they're shooting to try and get on a 2020 ballot. So as legislators who, one, you're both you're both Republicans, yeah. and I think would class. I'm not meaning to speak for you, but also representing rural districts that are seeing a, an I mean I think an epidemic of hospitals closing throughout the country and here in Oklahoma. What are your thoughts, feelings about healthcare expansion? Well, and McIntyre can talk. uh, He's definitely the subject matter expert on this. He, and we obviously knew this was coming. Um, Now, McIntyre and and Senator McCourtney, they had the foresight, you know, last year to start looking at doing research on this. And so they dug into it. And so what I have, oh, about two months ago. So the history with McIntyre, before we get into this, is when we first got, we were obviously got elected in 2016 and, and we went through, you know, the regular session, two special sessions and another regular session. And so, but when we got elected, I didn't know, I didn't know Marcus. And so he sends me a text and when the seating assignment, uh, assignments came out and he said, hey, it's like, awesome and so we just didn't i didn't think i was gonna have anything in common with them and You're like do you want to braid our hair too Is that yeah, yeah yeah so definitely my best friend up here and it helps having him uh that's definitely an expertise of his but i started you know using kind of some talking points from marcus um trying to get out in front of this we knew the state question as republicans you know it's uh obviously we don't I, I think our class came in with a different mindset you know most a lot of us were younger uh, we have we had kids in school and so you know we we want to uh we look at things a little different than the past um maybe some of our predecessors but started kind of getting out and talking to some of my far far right groups in the district and saying hey there's going to be a state question and we have we know it's if you if you believe in polls then it's got a good chance of passing and so um my message to them was we can do nothing or we can, you can have a constitutional uh, on a ballot measure that will change the constitution. And you won't, ha- I won't have a say as a legislature. So what do you want me to do? And, and 95% have said, we want you guys to do something to basically head off the state question, just fix it. And so that's kind of where we started out um, in my district when I'm talking about this. And, um, and so I, 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 you know, Governor Stitt talked about a few weeks ago that, you know, he didn't support the ballot measure, but he is looking at a, a plan B. And so Marcus can kind of, well, I just want to, I want to, I want to give the listeners an idea. So Josh, how tall are you? Like six, four, six, six three. Yeah. Okay. So Josh is six, three, I'm five, six and a half. <laughs> and, uh, Josh always has a scowl on his face and I'm always smiling. So, uh, you know, it's kind of an odd couple, but we've become uh, fast friends and uh, we hang out together all the time. He would edit my my op-eds for me and he would keep me out of trouble on the floor when I wanted to maybe do some stuff. <laughs> I'm kind of an aggressive, you know, I'm, I'm a military guy. And so my my outlook is, um, oh, I'm not hostile, but I just... If you got something to say, say you're it. you're yeah. you're looking for a fight all the time, Wes. Yeah, I'm not like, necessarily. I don't think I'm looking for a fight. I just, I, there's only so much I can handle this, and then at some point, so he would, <laughs> you know, he. I did a debate one time, and I was going to say, you know, I was referring to some colleagues, and it um, was a, a certain sector that a lot of them aren't here. But it, that point was, you know, they talk about the need for smaller government. However, they continue to run for offices when they leave here, and so that, my point was, you can't get off the government tit. And he goes. You can't say tit on the air. You need to change that to teat. And so, uh, <laughs> true story. That's a true that's story. A, that's, a, that's a good note, though. No, but it's, yeah. it's good to have, because uh, obviously we're not, um, 
well, I don't know. We talked about this after our first year because I thought we were so different. He goes, we're not that different, Wes. And so, but it helps having a different opinion and somebody that has graded um, papers in a university to help me with my You're a professor? Well, I, I taught at University of Virginia. I, did my, I was working on my PhD at okay. University of Virginia. I taught uh, sociology, sociology of religion and law. I had, had no idea. Yeah, and I'm like ABD Okay. Now, so all, all but dissertation for mm-hmm. those of you who don't know what that means. But um, so we were talking about healthcare. Um, I think the the, the polls are, are really telling on on Medicaid expansion. And, and as a Republican, you know, the ballot initiative is suboptimal. I mean, because if if something goes into the Constitution, the the likelihood of us being able to change that number one just by the constraints of the Constitution, the number of votes you have to have or the sending it to the ballot to change it is very difficult. Sure. And if you try to change anything like that, people are going to say you're overturning the will of people. So having Medicaid expansion in our constitution like that really makes it where it's unamendable. Mm-hmm. Not only that, a full state plan is, which is what the, the ballot initiative would be. That's hard that you can't hardly amend that anyway with CMS at the federal government. So it's a double whammy to have it in the constitution. And I don't know if the people behind that ballot initiative use that to their advantage because I mean, it's just like double harsh. Right. Right. They want, I would assume they want it in there where it can't be touched. Right. And so, um, as a Republican, I'm trying to navigate this, trying to figure it out because I firmly believe that we need to increase access to healthcare in Oklahoma. I mean, in a rural district, uh, many, I would say majority of the people who are going to see a doctor are on Medicaid or need to be mm-hmm. maybe working poor. Um, and I've seen too many stories in my district where somebody gets a raise of $500 a year and they're kicked off sooner care or Medicaid. Right. Uh, and then they have to go out and try to buy a private insurance policy and it puts them into poverty. Yeah. And so, um, that's where I'm coming from. And so what I'm looking at is how can we increase access to healthcare, get that federal money, that nine to one match, because that will revolutionize our budget. Mm -hmm. It will completely revolutionize. And it's, it's just silly that we have not done it, that we have not used some in some fashion. So I, I advocate for waivers because we Waivers allow you not skirt the rules, but allows you to do some things that we can actually measure, measure outcomes on. We can amend if we make a mistake or if the cost gets too high, all those things. We could not do that with the ballot initiative. So waivers are kind of a unique way and an enterprising way to uh, tailor something to the state of Oklahoma because the expansion is completely a one-size-fits-all so just so people that are listening know when you say waiver what you mean is instead of just saying yes we're going to expend we're going to take medicaid as it exists sooner care as it exists in oklahoma and we're just going to expand it using this money what a waiver is is going to cms center for medicare and medicaid services at the federal level and saying hey federal government we want we want the cash but we want to do it maybe in a little bit different way that we feel like better suits the needs of people of Oklahoma. Will you give us an exception to do it this way rather than what's prescribed in the ACA, also known as Obamacare? Right. So, yeah, I mean, a waiver is just that. It helps you waive the rules to the ACA to come up with your your own plan that will will benefit Oklahomans and that you hope you can tailor. So as one of the the legislators that's kind of taken the, the lead on this, 
and if if you can say, and you may not be able to because, you know, session's not over and there's next year and all kinds of stuff, but to the extent that you can, what does, to you, what does an Oklahoma-specific system look like? Well, um, well, first of all, we'd want to be able to, to help stimulate the economy with that, that extra money. So we would probably offer the expansion population that's, that's um, to 138% of the poverty level. We would probably um, use an existing structure like Insure Oklahoma and put those people um, into private health care plans. That's where we would look. So they would get a, a good health care plan. So the dollars would be like premium support or subsidies to, to buy something? Subsidies. Off- okay. It would be subsidies. Insure Oklahoma works now, which I use. Yeah, it's a good, and, it's and, a good and, program. Yeah, and if, and if, and, and, but it's really underutilized. Mm-hmm. Um, I have um, two or three single moms who work in our, doc, in our, our store in Duncan, and um, it just is perfect. Right, because I mean, it, 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 helps, it helps businesses so oh, that yeah. as the employer, you can kind of buy into it and still provide insurance at a discounted rate. And there's also an individual version where like if you're self-employed or if your employer doesn't offer anything, you can still go get insurance and it, it's um we have i have a number of patients that have used it for years the aca has kind of cut into it some but I, but it's been all things considered a pretty decent plan yeah and and also i mean it's something that's attractive to a republican who wants to vote on something like this and instead of it just being a pure uh, subsidy you have a product that people have a little skin in the game on with the uh with premium or whatnot right so with the the proposal that you had um would it require people to be working in order to qualify or is there any kind of um, caveat for folks who are very low income otherwise? Yeah, there would be caveats for that. But I mean, by and large, we've already passed work requirements. Right. I actually voted against them. One of the few Republicans that did. Can I just say, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, to me, um, in, until uh, access to health care is actually increased and we have more people there, it doesn't make fiscal sense to me. Right. to put work requirements on it at this point. I, I agree. I mean, this is, this is the soapbox of mine, so I'm just going to indulge myself here for a second. But, like, you know, the thing with me for, with work requirements um, is, like, I can – I mean, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive, right? But, like, I can, I can wrap my head around the idea of work requirements. Like, I can see, like, you don't want people taking advantage of the system. You want to make sure that people who, you know, who need this are really the people that need it, right? Like, so I, I can get that. I think that the thing that frustrates me with a policy like work requirements is that, you know, in my job, I have to use the best available evidence and data to make decisions about what I'm going to do, right? Like if you bring your kiddo to me and they've got an ear infection, I have like evidence that I'm supposed to follow about what antibiotic they should be on and how long and what dose, et cetera, et cetera, right? And the thing about work requirements is that, and I've, I've looked at the literature pretty extensively on this. Like, so far, everywhere they've been implemented, they increase cost, they create an additional level of bureaucracy, they deprive people of benefits, so it's like bigger government that's less efficient that costs more. (laughs) And so, it would just like, and so the thing that drives me a little bit nuts, and obviously I know you were, you voted against it, so I'm... I was choir. one of the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a minority. <laughs> I voted for it. Let's preach, yeah. preach it, to the choir. I'm wagging my finger at you. Sorry. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> um, is, is that like, it's, it's something that like, if you're a conservative Republican, like why support a policy that's going to increase cost, increase bureaucracy and make the underlying program less effective. 
it's like antithetical to what I feel like Republicans stand for. That's my that's my soapbox, and I get that there's like you could let the Repo- the this uh, guy respond. Yeah, well, so my I voted for. I mean, it kind of goes back to what uh, Marcus was saying that you know I was at a forum, I guess two weeks ago, and so at this forum it was myself, it was Ben Loring, who's a Democrat from District Seven, I guess Ben. So. And then it was uh, Senator Shaw, and a guy brought up, uh, one of my constituents brought up at the end, he said, um, you you guys have the House, you have the Senate, you have the governor, and it is so jumbled up there. And I took offense to that because, and he was talking about expansion, he was talking about education, some things, and I said, and this was a guy that I've known my whole life, and so district they have no issues coming up and telling me how they feel, and I like that, I want to hear, but I said, I I take – that point's not well taken because I talked about the relationship. You know, Ben sat there and said, we have the best the best session he's had in his five years. And I said, um, I said, you know, he, they, there's always a stigma. Oh, Republicans don't like poor people. Well, that's not the case because I was, I was born and raised poor my whole life. I mean, I was talking about that my house was, it's 300 square foot, you know, smaller than my garage and so i just think that went back to kind of like what marcus was saying I mean, you can require with waivers some skin in the game so that's how i looked at it is and, and i know we had the conversation friday there was another uh, physician there i think it was a surgeon a neurosurgeon maybe and talked about you know and he was kind of like you're a really progressive democrat but he said you know i don't think anything should be free sure you know, we should require something from uh people you know for this benefit and so that was my outlook on it and and as, as far as the state question um you know, I was after the 788 passed on the ballot. I was one of the, the lucky ones that got put on this, um, you know, bipartisan House and Senate, you know, task force, if you will. And it actually became a committee that we passed the legislation out of this year. But 788 being that medical marijuana. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But you've seen how that thing was rushed through. I mean, it, I, and we had experts coming in from all these other states, from Colorado, California, all these states, uh, Oregon that had passed. Um, some form of medicinal marijuana, and um, they, that's the biggest hiccup was the timeline. You know, within 30 days, the, department, the healthcare department had to promulgate rules. Within 30 days, that's we had to begin crazy. accepting application. 30 days after that, we had to begin actually issuing the licenses, the permits uh, for the cardholders. And so, huge. I mean, it, it was a headache. And so, it's going to be – I was talking to a guy from California, uh, and he was a physician that was there testifying, and – I said, well, how long did it take you all to get your medicinal marijuana program right? And he said, we haven't. 25 years later, we're still passing legislation on this. And so same thing with 780 and 781. My wife's a mental health therapist. And, you know, of course, as elected officials, we don't get out and make a lot of hard comments on state questions because we can't – you really – ethically, you can't influence an election. But I can give your opinion. But my wife would say, as a mental health provider, um, the this ideal that – but 780, you know, the money that you're supposedly going to save for treatment programs, it's not going to happen. It costs so much more money than you right. guys are thinking. But that was a good sell. And you've seen when we tried to go and just add one statute back. And so you know, when you're talking about, I know this, it's state questions are political and the groups that push them, um, they obviously have an agenda. But they, they did strip the language from it and they put statutes in there. And so we tried to add one statute back, and I don't remember how you it voted. It was drug-free school zones. Yeah, I, I mean, voted for it. Yeah, with within that state right. question, they did away with drug-free school zones, and, and I didn't have a constituent that came up to me and said they knew about it. I didn't have a superintendent that knew about it. Yeah. So we tried to add one statute back that said, 
can't have drugs in school zone. Now, it wasn't a witch hunt, so we put, we put protections in there where if you are traveling through a school zone and you're pulled over by a law enforcement officer, they cannot charge you with a felony. If you're a student, of course, you know, you're not going to be charged with a felony. If you're a welding student, you know, an adult, a 50-year-old welding student at a Votech, you're not going to be charged with a felony. It just gave the DA's discretion, uh, you know, if you are caught with, with on school grounds or whatever, sure. it gave them discretion to charge with a felony or use deferred sentence or drug courts. Sure. And people lost I mean, I voted for it. People lost their mind. I remember the Tulsa World put an article out, and it said the arrogant legislators think that you are ignorant, basically. And so, you know, that wow. goes against people said you're – even people that did not support it on the ballot were saying, how dare you go against the will of people? This was a state question that passed, and so that's another, like, like Mark mentioned before with this. With a state question, it's dangerous. To, if, you, if you do, in the event that you do find out something that's not working, but it's it's – it's hard to go make those changes. So, And I think it's important to note that we will act on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. We will. I mean, I'm disappointed we didn't do it earlier, but I think that we have a governor who's still in a massive learning curve and he was focused on what he was focused on. And um, I think that he's going to be brought up to speed this summer. And um, you could, you, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, if he wants to, he can call a special. Well, I was going to ask because he kind of referenced that and said it wasn't off the table. No, I don't think it is. Scott and I are both texting each other like, oh, really? Well, I think <laughs> even Senator, Mc- Senator McCourtney had a tweet about it. Then I was like, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was like, uh, this is a guy who would know. And he's yeah, he's yeah. acting like something might happen. Well, that's see. a rumor. I, I think it will. and I, But I don't think that, that Governor Stitt will call a special unless we have every side yeah. in agreement. We're in for four days and we're out. Right. Don't want to have one, one of those like five month-long special sessions as, 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 as co-host of a weekly podcast that um covers the <laughs> legislative session if you guys could not have a long special session hey, scott faggot herself on my floor for a year yeah in special sessions so on we, a blow-up mattress on a blow-up mattress well when, <laughs> so. when we when we started doing this podcast we were like okay during the session we'll do weekly updates and then in the off season we'll do educational topics and and then literally we had 17 months of session and both Scott and I were like, I just want a week off. <laughs> um, okay. You're not the only yeah, one. Sure. When, when I honestly, when I really <laughs> contemplate and think about those, you know, that our first two years of, of Josh and I in yeah. office, my eyes well up yeah. because it was, it was awful. I, can't, I cannot imagine. It was awful. Well, and to be not from, Oklahoma City Metro and to have young kids mm-hmm. and so that you were away from your family. I mean, you're like four hours away, right? About three hours, three and a half, depending on traffic in Tulsa on the way home. But, but no. you have four yeah. kids. I've got four kids, <laughs> yeah. So I was looking, at, so they're 12, 11, 6, and 4. And when we first got elected, you know, they were, you know, whatever, 8 or yeah. 9 and 8 and, and 3 One. and 2. And yeah. So, yeah, and so my, uh, my wife was a very, very successful, strong, independent, business person who is used to working 60, 80 hours a week. And, uh, but she, I remember after that first month, just normal session, you know, my, my kids were used to me never missing anything. Mm-hmm. And so she, it was a huge learning curve for our family. And so that's who's, you know, in order for us to do this job, you've got to have a strong marriage, strong spouse. Uh, and I remember, you know, that first couple of weeks, it was, I didn't want to go home because she was so, I mean, <laughs> yeah. at, at one point I said, I, I will, I actually wrote a, typed up a resignation letter, signed it and I put it in an envelope and stuck a stamp on it. Said, if you get that sick of it, put this in the mail. Cause this isn't worth a, right. you know, so yeah, it, it, it's, and, and the thing is that doesn't change. I mean, no. even, even, you know, being, you know, reelected and, and back in office, 
it's still super hard. And I'm not wanting everybody to think, hey, the, these guys are so mistreated or whatever. Right. But it is a true sacrifice. And I mean, both sides of the aisle yeah. to to do this job because you leave money on the table. Um, you your your family, you don't get to see them very much. Yeah. And they sacrifice a lot. And uh, I just always just tell my wife, thank you. Right. I mean, well, my time's not worth money. I'm obviously, and neither is yours, but you know, to do this, you got to, I got, I personally got to feel like that I am, I'm getting something accomplished because I don't want to come up from fill seat right. ever. And so you have to, I mean, I got to feel like that we are moving the needle. And I think that that was the kind of the outlook, our whole class that came in together. Most of us just said, Hey, let's do some things that, that haven't been done before. And let's make some votes. And if, if we get primary and get beat or, or you know, beaten in an election, who cares? Well, well, I think that we came in and we, we had seen, we'd been on the doorsteps and yeah. we had seen um, the dysfunction and the gridlock. And we came in as our, now we're sophomores. We came in and we said, look, we're going to govern that, right. that we are going to manage this state. We are going to govern. And, um, and that's why I think Governor Stitt is such a breath of fresh air because they're willing to look at government differently. Right and it's not the way it's always been. I mean, sometimes they're looking at something and something and they're saying, how can we blow this up? <laughs> and I mean, you know, and right. they'll, they'll run an idea by you and you and, or by me. And I'm just like, yeah, you, you can't, can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> well, and then and they say, well, why not? Right. They just want to find out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had so, a conversation with Joe Dorman probably a month after session and he was down with the, with his nonprofit and, um, doing something with, with kids there at the Capitol. I said, what's what do you think, Joe? What's the outlook out there outside of the bubble here? What is your, what are people telling you? He said, you know what, Wes? He said, this is a, uh, it's very, across the board Republicans and Democrats very optimistic and he said it reminds me kind of when I forget it was when Governor and I was Lieutenant Governor and we had a young Governor as well and so Governor and I was like 29 or 30 and the mm. Governor was maybe 32 or 33 and he said that's the you know across the board people are just um, like the fact that we have a young Governor a young Lieutenant Governor that have kids and, and, and so based off of you know Stitt campaigned on a lot of stuff on, on the trail like criminal justice reform things like that that are uh, and education, things are important, and especially to people that uh, that are younger than have kids, and and, and uh, so he he thought that uh, it was going really well. Can I just throw something in? Let's go back to to to, to Medicaid again. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually a Republican idea. Right. The ACA is actually yeah. a Republican idea, yeah. and yeah. I think that's lost yes. on my cohorts. <laughs> yes. That, that I mean, that was basically Romney Care. And the, the socialist government takeover of healthcare that was passed in 2009 or 2010 under the Democrats originated at the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, and let me tell you, and it's the same thing that has happened in criminal reverse justice. with criminal justice yeah. reform. Yeah, it was more of a liberal thing, right. and the the uh, conservatives kind of usurped it. And well, and Scott and I have talked about that on the show that this year in particular, I I think the Democrats in Oklahoma have have had a hard go because all of their platforms, right? Criminal justice yeah. reform and Medicaid, all these things. The Republicans came in and said, here's what we're going to do. And then they were like, ah, uh, well, you got well, people from districts like mine too, that were prior to 2008 was probably 85, 90% Democrat. Right. And so those are still those people that are now Republicans or even the Democrats, like I said, they're blue dog. I mean, they sure. are conservative because there, there are still issues that affect, especially rural Oklahoma with the high incarceration rates. And so, um, you know, I've, I've always been a big advocate of just because with from the mental health standpoint and being military. And so from just, the, you know, seeing the veterans and the issues that they have with mental health, and a lot of those end up in prison. And so my wife being a therapist, is a huge conversation mm -hmm. at, at my dinner table. And so um, that's been something I've pushed for. And, 
from day one, you know, I ran the legislation to expand the drug courts my first year. And then last year we did some stuff with, um, with the pardon parole board, the five members, you know, adding uh, yeah, two of those yeah. five have to be either a mental health provider or a substance abuse provider. And so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you look at up top now, DC, the Marcus was, uh, we were talking the other day about how it's the Republicans up there fighting right now to keep ACA intact because the Democrats are wanting to go to this, you know, this Medicare for Medicare all. for all. Right. And so it's, it is funny. Everything, everything old is new again. Absolutely. Yeah, We've kind of been dancing around it here a little bit. So I'm just going to straight up like ask the question okay. um, to the, to the extent that you guys can comment and we don't have to, you know, get into like specific people, but I, I don't think it's any shock, certainly to people who listen to this show and probably to people that follow politics in Oklahoma, that the legislature looks a little bit different this year, particularly the Republican caucus looks a little bit different. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was kind of a, campaign of sorts maybe last year that that kind of went after some of the more outspoken real conservative members i guess if you want to if you want the to platform that, caucus. the platform caucus um and several of them uh aren't in in the legislature anymore and i'm just kind of curious to what extent you guys as republicans feel like that has changed the dynamics you know in your caucus and and what's kind of gone on at what's happened at the Capitol this year. I think that um, there is an overwhelming sense that we can pass anything we want to with the group of people we have there. Hmm. We can, I mean, the house can move um, policy that it wants to move. um, And the Republicans can actually do it by themselves. Well, because yeah, before you still had a super majority, but part of that faction split off and would sometimes vote with the Democrats for different reasons. But, Absolutely. But it ended up with like three groups and you needed a coalition to make anything happen. Yeah. And so I think, I think that, I think, I believe that, um, I'm, if, if I, I, I think it's more relaxed, uh, more of a focus on governing mm-hmm. and, and actually doing something, uh, because we can, we have the revenue to do some more things. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, it's night and day. Well, yeah, not having to cut yeah. again, right? Yeah, and not having to deal with, uh, with a faction that is obstructionist. Sure. That's, that's the ever, that was the way kind of was looked at as obstructionist. Man, like I said, when I remember probably March of 2017, our first session, Leslie Osborne was the A&B chair, and a group of us went to uh, talk to Leslie and said, hey, we knew that there was a revenue was off the table and we were mm-hmm. you know, 76 votes, but we started saying, Hey, as the AMB chair, give us some projects, give us something to go look up. And so she did, she went and she said, I want you to look at this and this and this and this, and you tell me if it's going to work, if we get some revenue. And it, it made a, uh, you know, it's no secret that I had a riff with, with a few of them. I think the Ogle put me in there and they did a, uh, I'll see your response. So the Ogle did a report and oh, said yeah. I was auditioning for a an Ogle writer, but it, that was early on. And um, a former member in his blog, I call he, he kind of headed up that. I don't know if we want to talk names or I don't, uh, I'll just, just say a former member who was a blogger. Yeah, former <laughs> member. So he put out an article and it said um, we were the freshman class was was pawns. Leslie's pawns. 
We took a pine, pines of leadership. We took exception. That's to right. That. Absolutely. And so yeah. So uh, Representative McIntyre has a has a pawn lapel pin there that he I love it. He wears with pride. We all yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. We all do. And we had ceremonies for that. <laughs> it, was, it was an initiation process. We, we, the we did. It was kind of military. I gave style him for blood. Guys. I gave him blood rank. Uh, <laughs> but we did. We got to. Get, it became actually this. It brought our group together because. Sure. Call me what you, I don't care what you call me. They have called me Rhino. They called me one guy called me the Maxine Waters of Oklahoma, and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a, I am still a Republican. I'm still conservative. Did he know who Maxine Waters is? Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if he. I, I, would assume, I wonder if he knew. I would assume. <laughs> um, but we came in. I think we had this. We were pragmatic. I'm still Republican. I'm still conservative. I still have conservative values. But we came in looking for solutions, and because I want, I didn't want to go through the same crap that they did. Because of these, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have another downfall at some point. We're such a commodity-based state. But they were afraid to make decisions. But that was kind of our outlook. Now, whether they were or not. But, and so we, we kind of took offense to that. And I, I commented on his tweet. And I said, well, that's big words from someone who doesn't participate. And of all people, Corey Williams, since he's, well, a <laughs> Democrat can, colleague. You can say it. Uh, <laughs> he gets on there and, and Hi, he, uh, and he con- he's defending this guy. And I'm like, boy, you can't tell me you agree with anything that uh, – this guy says and so anyway we kind of went back and forth and Randy Carroll put it I made a comment to Corey that probably we shouldn't have but it Randy Carroll puts it on the front page of Tulsa World and he was talking about how times have changed you have people debating you know politicians on social media right and so and it is escalated from there you know you had members of that of that certain sect of Republicans that were going to groups in Tulsa talking about the formation of this but they talked about how they would work with Democrats to kill Republican bills you had another member that was going up there and saying we need to recruit people to run against these rhinos. And then I had people like John Mitchell in my district. And so I'm Delaware County. You know, if it's if you come up in there looking, it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a rural, it's a farming community. Mm-hmm. And so he's obviously someone from down here that kind of looks hippie ish sandals. And so he was in, he was in my hometown saying, your representative here is a rhino. You need to give him some run run against this guy. And so, I I remember getting up after he spoke before my GOP, and I said, "Well, I appreciate him for being here. He's very passionate about what he does. I see him often at the Capitol, but as you can tell by this this it was called the platform in this. As you can yeah. tell by my score he gave me out of these hundreds of bills that we voted on, and he wants to pick ten bills out." that I didn't put two thoughts of what he was going to say about me. And I went through each one. You know, one of them was a tourism uh, incentive. I did, we're Grand Lake. I'm going to vote for a tourism incentive every time. One of them was a, uh, an aerospace incentive. Well, that's my, that's my industry. My, right. aero, my industrial park is an aerospace industrial park. One of them, they called it socialized grocery. And that's the bill that we passed. I think it was a Don's bill. It was if, if you have unopened food from school, you don't have to throw it away. You can give right. it to a kid. So that was socialized grocery. So I went through each one. <laughs> And explain to them. So you had that, and then you had the whole just it just kept escalating. So it became this, you know, did you just get pushes into the corner? And then you had the big press conference, and you know, after the the press conference up there, I kind of there was a member coming down the hallway, and I said, hey, you know, if this is a if you, if you want to start a civil war, brother, I'm this I'll thrive in this environment, and I I'll, I'll go to your district and I'll beat you in your own district. I'll hold up signs, and so. Um, you know, they're in a process. I went, you know, there, there was an article put out about me on, on one of the, the political blogs and, and um, 
it was totally fabricated. And so, but I remember I turned around, I wasn't screaming and acting crazy. I mean, I am militant, but I have candor and I, and I have a uh, bearing. And so I turned around and I went down the hall and I, you know, was on the edge of the rotunda and I got to, uh, Florida Eccles hallway there. And I turned around, he was behind me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he said, is it your PTSD, West? And I don't know what to say. And so I, I told him what I thought about it. And uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't threatening him, right. but he runs to the Highway Patrol and says, hey, you got to get West. He's, he's, I'm scared for my life and my family's life, and which was – and the, it was, the funny thing about it is the, the, uh, <clears throat> the trooper – and there was, there was additional troopers there because of the – it was right when the teacher walked sure, was yeah. wrapping up. But he said, uh, he said, heck no, I'm not going after one of my own. And so then, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm at a big conspiracy. Sort of, right. Yeah. Did, I'm an, did you witness this? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah. I just think I, what I would say is we're disagreeing a lot better. Sure. Um, we're yeah. not nearly as polarized. Um, well, it doesn't feel like everything, like you can disagree without yeah. like despising the person for who they are, which with, is yeah, yeah and without running out with a press release, mm-hmm. you know, um, engendering um, ill will and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. We haven't had that this year. Yeah. I mean, uh, floor leader Virgin and 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 the Democrats, of course, they're raising concerns about our budget. I wouldn't expect them to do anything else, um, but I think that if you were to get them off the record, and they would say, "This is pretty dang good." This sure. is pretty dang good. And so, I mean, you know, I think most of Oklahoma, most of Oklahoma sits somewhere in the middle. I sure. mean, your normal distribution right. curve. Yeah. And you've got 80% of the people somewhere in the middle, and um, they do not want us to be dysfunctional. They want us to get stuff done. And I think this year has been a great year for, for seeing how Republicans and Democrats can actually work together and, and both get their ideas passed. I don't know how many Democratic bills we passed this year, but it was it's quite a few. I think Jason Dunnington had six at least yeah. Yeah. that yeah. were signed, signed by, by the, the governor. governor. Yeah. And so um, – And they're not doing anything out of the ordinary. There's, when Republicans were in the monitor, when there was 80 Democrats, Republicans did the same thing. Yeah. So it's just the roles flipped. And, yeah. Um, so uh, kind of on that note, maybe let's end uh, with hearing from you guys what you feel like the – you, the biggest accomplishment of the legislature has been this year. This could be individually for you guys or just in general. What do you think has been the biggest accomplishment? Well, I mean, I think that some of the tough votes that we made over the previous two years have definitely helped the economy. And so that's something that I'm proud of that we helped move the state forward. I'm proud that we have invested in education. It may not be perfect in what, you know, everybody wants down here or everybody wants, you know, throughout the state. But you, you, you got to admit that we made a commitment and we made a huge investment last year. We continue to do that. We also are, are being, you know, from a conservative standpoint, we are trying to put money back as well. Cause like I said earlier, we know that we're going to, at some point uh, with just being a commodity based state, we're going to end up in, a, in another downfall. And so I think it's smart to put money back, but I'm proud of what we've done. It's, I think it's a, a work of, uh, it's the overall work that we've done over the past three years. And, um, and then like I said, I was glad that we, uh, there'll be some reform come out, criminal justice reform that comes out. There's common sense reform. It's not some, you know, that's that's not just way out there. We're not gonna let everybody out of, of prison at once. But I think there's some of the things that we're gonna run through this week, and uh, that will help address the issues we have. And from a fiscally conservative standpoint, will help. Um, you know, it costs twenty-seven thousand dollars a year to keep somebody in prison. So I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of the investment we made, and you know, the overall work of the body of work. I think is uh, what I'm proud of and, and, and my colleagues, I mean, relationships, um, if we didn't have the relationships, honestly, it would be tough to deal with just the constant, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not trying to be 
like Marcus was talking about earlier, I'm not saying that we have this, you know, we're victims. No, but you know, it, it kind of, you get sick of the putting up, with, you know, some of the stuff. And so to have uh, the relationships that were built, uh, you know, both Republicans and then Democrats. And so that's definitely, uh, I think that people are seeing us um, argue and disagree a lot better and you still get to you move the state forward as Republicans and Democrats. Sure. I, yeah. I think any victories that we've had, any victories we've had this year, are a product of an improving improving economy and oh. the votes that we made last year to actually um, you know bite the bullet as Republicans and and pass some revenue and so to me I think you know giving over 200 million in putting over 200 million into education is a huge deal and um, we weren't lying when we said that I mean we care about education too as Republicans we care about public education especially us guys from rural Oklahoma, we don't have private schools. And so we care deeply about public education. But then on a, a, a more of a healthcare note, because that's where I, that's my lane. I I have three lanes. I've got insurance, alcohol policy and, uh, and healthcare. And what we've done with healthcare this year kind of is a function of FMAP, which is the federal uh, medical payments. Uh, that the feds, feds are giving us. Right. And so it's based on a three-year rolling average. So we get a lot more money this year. So we're putting some of that back. We're also giving a 5% provider rate increase to healthcare professionals. God bless you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, that Collusion was one, right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was one of my big goals. And we did that. And we're going to get another bump in FMAP next year, another 1.22%. So we're going to save some more. And we're also going to give it another provider rate increase. And so, um, and hopefully by then we'll have a, uh, increased access to healthcare and then we won't necessarily be hunky-dory because there'll be more problems that crop up in healthcare. But uh, I'm really proud of what we've done in healthcare, especially with nursing homes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that some people in the medical uh, in the medical world are you know a little upset that that nursing homes got a sweet deal, but their <laughs> their outcomes suck. Yeah, yeah. and we've got to do something. Totally. Also, uh, McCourtney had that pharmacy management. <laughs> that was bill. me too. Was that you too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Governor yeah. signed today, right? Yes, yeah. signed twenty six thirty two. Yeah. That's um, a big deal. It, it had it had it had uh, uh, Fuller Eccles name on it, but I was the guy. <laughs> was was uh, you're was, listening, John? Was step therapy reform? Was that you too? Yeah, I was. I was a co-author on it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, the last thing I'll have, we uh, very much appreciate you guys. Uh, come into the studio today and sitting down with us. Uh, Andy and I have often talked about taking the podcast on the road. Uh, if we come to uh, HD five or uh, HD 50, you guys hey, absolutely pick, pick, I, pick I a spot. To, let's go to Shangri-La. I mean, yeah. heck we're, po- hell we're politicians. We're, <laughs> we're going to always want to talk. Right. So, well, uh, I've talked to Marcus about doing the little uh, politicians and cars getting coffee or yeah. one of those things. Have you guys so, ever been yeah. to Grand Lake? Uh, no, I, have. I have been to Grand Lake once. Can we do it in a boat? I was. Much, yes. You know, yeah, boat cast. The Cherokee yes. Queen. The Cherokee uh, well, Queen. Well, we could. Okay. But how about we just do it on the dock? We'll go to Dr. Cox is my predecessor. I don't know if you remember Cox. Sure, yeah. for 12 I'll do it years. on his pier. We'll do yeah. it on his dock. He's my mm-hmm. neighbor. And so he would love to. Uh, that sounds like a summer we'll, uh, summer road trip. We'll, we'll give you guys a quick break from session to get reacquainted with your families. But yeah. uh, we're going to we're gonna make this happen. Yeah. yeah it'll be fun. Come on, do it. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thanks we look forward to seeing you this summer. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, hey, we're back. 
Thanks to Representative Josh West and Marcus McIntyre for being here on this episode. Um, great to visit with you guys. We look forward to uh, maybe finding some time this summer to visit with them in their home districts. Yes, we're uh, planning an excursion. A lake pod. And, ooh, lake pod. What's, like uh, what's a little um, lily pads? Lily pods? Could be a lily pod. No. <laughs> All right, uh, fine. Veto. Veto. I'm 50% of this show. I veto it. <laughs> I need one more person. All right, well, on that note, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, as a reminder, on Saturday, June 15th, that's in two weeks, we're going to have Civic Saturday. It's going to be a super awesome event from 1030 to noon here in Oklahoma City at the Paramount Room, the Paramount Theater on Film Row. Um, go to our website, letsfixthisok.org slash calendar, and you'll see it on there. Um, there'll also be an email going out next week and you'll see it on social media. You can get it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash let's fix this. Okay. Um, it's going to be great. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a church service, but about civic life and about specifically engaged. Can to have some poets, can to have some music, can to have a quote civic sermon from the, the guy that runs this national organization called, um, citizen university. This event is co-hosted by us, generation citizen, Citizen University and the office of Mayor David Holt should be very exciting. Uh, be sure to rate our podcast and share it with your friends. Uh, this summer, Scott and I are going to do a bunch of series. We mentioned one about healthcare, one about criminal justice reform, some about redistricting. Uh, we've got some really exciting things happening this summer. We'd love um, for you to to listen in and find out more about it, so that when we come back in um, to session next year. You can really be informed and, and have new ways to be engaged. Don't forget to look up your legislators and try to connect with them uh, outside of the Capitol as well. Remember, this, I mean, maybe not like today, but like these next few months is the time to do it, right? Yeah, like they're, when they're not in session, that's the, off, that's the off season. That's the time to train. That's the time to build relationships, make your voice heard. Don't wait until they come back in February. That's right. Decisions are made by those who show up. So show up now. Have a good week, everybody.